Happy Sabbath. I also want to give my uh, condolences to the Phillips and the Pastor Egan's uh, family for the loss of their beloved daughter and wife and mother. Um, I'm so thankful for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that he gave us this great hope. And so saying that and having that in mind, because of this, because of what Christ has done, let's just remember that this is just a temporary interruption in our relationship with this person. And I believe Christ is about to come back. And very, very soon, we will see the person glorified in a glorified body. Very soon. So again, it's just a temporary interruption in this relationship. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you have done for us and the hope you have given us. Amen. I'm very excited. Thank you for the invitation. I don't know. I think Matthias. Is that correct? Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, I want you to know that... Uh, uh, I love the Seventh-day Adventist message. It is the most beautiful message I have ever heard. And uh, also, of those of you who are familiar with Walter Vyth, he has a little uh, image in himself with a smile saying that it is the only message that makes sense. Right? I don't know if some of you might have seen it. But it, again, it is a beautiful message. Um, this morning, I would like to talk about our Lord Jesus. So if you would um, come with me, I'm going to go ahead and read the same, uh, the same text that we just read. I'm going to add one more verse. I'm going to go to, so let's go to Luke 23 verses 1 to 5. Luke 23 verses 1 to 5. I'm almost there. And it reads as follows. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him into Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbid give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ a king. And Pilate asked them, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Then said Pilate to the chief priests and to the people, I find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to this place. So here we see uh, there's this crowd, right? A crowd of people trying to. Against who? Jesus. Is that correct? They were trying to portray Jesus in a light that would somehow make him feel some shape or form of some type of animosity towards Christ. They were trying to make him in a, put him in a bad light. Let's say that, right? Now, they had an agenda that would portray Christ as an enemy of the state, correct? Somebody who was causing problems. And we read that in the, in the text we just read. 
Now, throughout the course of Christ's life, uh, people would not try to refute his theology. They couldn't do it. He would answer in such a way that it would leave them speechless. I have never heard a man speak the way this man speaks. They couldn't, they, they couldn't destroy him with theology. They could not deal with him in a biblical basis or in a biblical sense. So what did, what did they have to do? They resorted to tactics, to, uh, to fear tactics. Can we say it that way? To prejudices against Jesus, right? Some of the things they would say, uh, they would say, uh, this man is a wine-bibber. He associates with prostitutes. Now, these were the things that Jesus' enemies said about him, all right? They would try to refute that he was the Christ. They would try to, again, incite people's prejudices against him, against him. They were, so, can we say this? They played to their emotions, right? You know, Ellen G. White says that when Christ was here on this earth, he could have had more success because he attracted everybody. Isn't this correct? The, even the children were attracted to him. But you know what the problem was? The people who they trusted to be their leaders were working against Christ. Do you see that? So they were confused. They didn't allow Christ to be as effective as he could have been. As a matter of fact, Christ had to go to live, I think it was uh, Capernaum. Is that correct? Because they were trying to destroy him. They were trying to stifle his work. Can we say that? It could have been better, right? So again, they're swaying to their prejudices, to their emotional state. So let's read, uh, let's here go now to uh, Luke 23, verses 6 through 22. Please be patient with me. Luke, uh, it's, it's a long reading, but it's important. So please read it with me. Luke 23, verses 6 through 22. And it reads as follows. When Pilate heard of Galilee, when, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were of Galilee, whether he was a Galilean. And so, and soon, and as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was a Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was excited, glad. He was exceeding, he was exceedingly glad, for he was desirous to see him for a, for a long season because he had heard many things of him and he hoped to have to have seen some miracle done by him then he questioned him in many words questioned him with many words but he answered him nothing and the chief priests and scribes stood vehemently and vehemently accused him and Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him, and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day, are you putting attention? And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends, what? Together. For before they were enmity between themselves. And Pilate, when he called together the chief priests, and the rulers, and the people, said unto them, you have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. And behold, I am examining him before you, and, have, have, and I have found no fault in this man, touching those things that whereof 
ye accuse him? No, nor yet Herod, for I, have, for I sent you to him. And lo, nothing worthy of death is done to him, is done unto him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. For of necessity he must release one of them at the feast. And they cried all at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas, who for a certain sedition made in the city for murder and cast into prison. Pilate, therefore, willing to release Jesus, spoke to them again, spoke to them again. But, but they cried, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said unto them the third time, Why? What evil has he done? I have found no cause of death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. My dear brothers and sisters, how many times did Pilate say, I find no fault in this man? Three times. Now, what else did you find out when we were reading this text? That Herod... And what were they before? Enemies. My dear brothers, when it came to the persecution of Jesus Christ, the governments that were at enmity between themselves had now become what? Friends, right? I'm going to tell you something. We are going to be made in the image of Christ before the end of this whole thing happens, before the end comes. Before this thing comes to an end. And you know what's going to happen to all the governments in the world that right now are warring against each other? Ukraine, Russia, Iran, Israel. The Bible tells us that all these governments will unite to persecute God's people. Is that correct? Now, is there religions that don't agree with each other and kind of go, let's say they go to war with each other, that they don't like each other? Yes, but I'm going to tell you something. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the scribes, and you can keep going on to all these. They all came together to persecute who? Christ. And I'm going to tell you, this is a prophetic uh, instance or something that's happened that's going to happen a second time in a small place. But then there is an enlargement and a repetition throughout the whole world. Religions will come together. Governments will come together to persecute the children of God who are going to be what? Reflecting the image of Christ. Those who live godly will what? No, they will see persecution. Persecution will arise again. And they will overcome, of course. But I was just looking for this one particular thing. Is that correct? All right. So we can see that the governments themselves were enemies. They came together for one purpose. And what was that purpose? To persecute the children of God. And that includes all religions. So again, the church and state. Now understand, the Jews didn't like the Romans. Is that right? But when it came time to persecute Christ, they said, we're going to work with them. All right? Now in this... This great country that I believe is an amazing country. Unfortunately, things are happening that are too bad. You know, I got my own opinions. I'll keep it to myself. 
They said the church and state will not, it's impossible according to the Constitution. That is one of our bases. But guess what? Even though the Jews hated the Romans, and even though we're supposed to have a separation of church and state, when it comes time to persecute God's children, what's going to happen? They're going to come together. That's correct. So here we see a picture of the end time. There are so many similarities we can come into this. There are so many things. Now, I want you to put yourself today in the shoes of Pilate. Do you understand what I'm saying here? I want you to put yourself in the shoes, in the shoes of Pilate. Because Pilate, this day, had to make a decision. Do you understand? And one day, you're going to have to make a decision. There's going to come a time when the government will work against you, when the other religions will work against you, they will persecute you, and you're going to have to make a decision for Christ or the enemy. They're going to, they're going to try to dissuade you. And this is the lesson that I'm going to talk about today. So let's put attention. You're going to have to make a decision one day. Is that correct? There might be some people here that are here for the first time, and they might have to make a decision to follow Christ or not. But for, for those of you who already gave your lives, you still are going to have to make a decision in the future. Pressure and persecution will come to you at one point or another. So here's Pilate. Now, when we read the Bible, did Pilate want to crucify Christ? He was trying to help him out. He was trying to give him a hand. He was trying to let him go. He said three times, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in him. Look, I sent him to Herod. He couldn't find no fault in him either. He has done nothing to deserve death. Now, my question this morning to you is this. Who was responsible to give the order? Of, who was the only one that can give the order to crucify Christ? It was Pilate. I mean, he was, he was the governor, right? He was the man in charge. That's why they were pleading with him. They were trying to persuade him, et cetera, et cetera. But he was the least person that wanted to do that. And we, we will see that pretty soon. He was in a very difficult position. I'm going to ask you a question. Have you been in a difficult position to be faithful to Christ? Do you think there's going to be a time where you might be in a difficult position to be faithful to Christ? I'm going to tell you something, all right? We're all here, and we're saying, amen. Let's praise the Lord. Let's sing. You know, it's easy to do the right thing when other people around you are doing the right thing. You know, Pilate could, would have loved to have been faithful to Jesus. He received a special message that day, remember? But the problem with Pilate was that there were people around him that were influencing him. Correct? Now, do you think Satan uses people around you to influence you? Yeah. You got it. He does. So again, we're going to put ourselves in that position, okay? Now, Pilate tried to orchestrate the circumstances. He tried to, uh, he had his own strategy. Can we say it that way? He had his own strategy. He was trying to release Jesus. He was trying to work an angle to, to let him go. You know, he was trying to get the crowd to change their opinion about Christ. Hey, this is a good guy. You know, come on, let him go. You know, 
He wanted to make the crowd's decision easier to let him go. He wanted, he wanted them to do what was correct. Okay? Now, let's read verse, uh, chapter 27, verses 15 through 18. Um, uh, let's go to Matthew. So let's go a couple of uh, books back. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, uh, verses 15 through 18. And it reads, Now, at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the... Uh, let me see, do I got the right one? 15 to 18. Now, at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had... And there had been a notable prisoner. Notice there was a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Who will you want? I release unto you, Barabbas, or Jesus, which is called the Christ. For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. Well, why did they deliver him to Pilate? Because they, it says right there, because they were envious. Why were they envious of Christ? First of all, Christ caught so much attention. I mean, when you speak the way Christ spoke, and you never heard a man speak like that, when you walk on the water, when you take a man that is rotting in a tomb, I mean, he was rotting, do you understand that? And you call him out, and he comes out with a new body, you know? I mean, is he catching people's attention? What, what, what did the people and the spies say around them? We got to destroy this guy. Everybody's going to believe in him. You see what happens when you allow your heart to get hard? Even, even giving somebody life, I mean, this is it. This is the golden goose. If anybody could bring people back to life, you say, whatever happens to him, take care of him. Because he can bring me back to life. That's not the way they were thinking. By the way, he is going to bring us back to life if we die. And he's going to give you a glorified body. You know? Praise be to Jesus for these glorious things. But they were, they were jealous. He was catching all the attention. Hey, people were following Jesus. They weren't, they weren't looking at them anymore. And what was the result? They were jealous, you know? So, hey, anyway, let's go forward. Uh, let's, let's read uh, Matthew 27, nine, uh, yeah, Matthew 27, 19. That's the next verse. And it reads, when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife, this is Pilate now, okay? When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of, because of him. My dear brothers and sisters, now here is, who was giving, who was giving Pilate's wife that dream? So here is God now telling, here is God now telling uh, Pilate, Right? That's my son. Have nothing to do with him. Do the right thing. I mean, what else do you need? Now, please understand. Are you listening to what I'm saying right now? Pilate got out of bed. He went to do his job. He didn't know that they were going to bring Jesus to him that day. Do you understand that? Now, there was no... Now, she, he didn't receive it. He didn't receive a... An, uh, an email from his wife or a messenger from, with the phone. He wasn't sitting there saying, hey, I have nothing to do with this man. I just had a dream with him. He, Pilate had no contact with his wife that day. 
How does she know that, she was going to, that he was going to get this man called Jesus, who he was going to have to try, who was just, and he was the son of God, and he was going to call a wrong verdict on him, have nothing to do with him? How does she know that? They had no contact. He didn't know he was going to see Jesus that day. That was a miracle, wasn't it? He received this. There was no telephone. It was a messenger that came from the house and gave him the note. Wait a minute. You know, what's going on? He received the message from God. Have nothing to do with this man, for he is a just man. Real quick. You know that when some of the Adventist church was starting, we kind of uh, were going over certain doctrines, and they kind of worked these doctrines over, and they couldn't get them no more? You know what would happen back then? So, here, so we're trying to figure out... Uh, we're trying to figure out doctrines, and they were confused. Is it this or is it that? We can't figure it out. You know what would happen? There was a woman there, a young girl called Ellen White, and she would go into a, into a vision. She went into a trance. And you know, who started giving the, you know who started giving the Bible study? Who started giving the Bible study when she had a vision? It was God. Do you see that? So God gave the Bible study when they couldn't figure out the right meaning of this uh, doctrine or that doctrine, God would get involved through his messenger. Isn't that neat? What a gift, huh? Anyway, so here's that gift being used by Pilate's wife. God used her. But, you know, and I'm asking myself, do you have that same message given to you by God? Is God giving you warnings? Is he telling you what's going to happen? Man, I can go on with this message, you know, just the spirit of prophecy. Like, I don't, this is not what the message is about, but I, I just love this stuff, you know? I could tell you more about that. It just blows my mind. So I have here, I'm going to read this to you, okay? And I apologize for the long uh, uh, readings from the Bible. Here's some spirit of prophecy. I love the spirit of prophecy. And I apologize, okay? But this is part of our message. Desire of Ages, page 732, so you basically look at Pilate, okay? Pilate was disappointed and much displeased when the Jews returned with their prisoner. He asked them impatiently what, would, what, would, what they would have him do. He reminded them that they had already examined Jesus and found no fault in him, with him. He told them that they had brought complaints against him but they had not been able to prove a single charge. He had sent Jesus to Herod, to the Tetrarch of Galilee, and one of their own nation, but he had also found him nothing worthy of death. I will therefore chastise him, Pilate said, and release him. Here Pilate showed his weakness. What did he show? His weakness. And he had declared that Jesus was innocent, yet he was willing for him to be scourged to pacify his, his, his accusers. He would sacrifice justice and principle in order to compromise the mob. This placed him at a what? At a disadvantage. The crowd presumed upon his indecision and clamored the more for the life of the prisoner. You see that? When, they, when he showed weakness and he tried to kind of work with him, what did they say? We got this guy. Let's work him over. And it, keep, and it, and it says, if... At first, Pilate had stood firm, refusing to condemn a man 
whom he had found guiltless, he would have broken the fatal chain that was to bind him in remorse and guilt as long as he lived. He carried out his convictions. Had he, had he carried out his convictions right, the Jews would not have presumed to dictate to him. Christ would have been put to death, but the guilt would not have rested upon Pilate. But Pilate had taken step after step in violation of his conscience. He had excused himself from, had he excused himself from judging with justice and equity. And he now found himself almost helpless in the hands of the priest and the rulers. His wavering, his indecision proved his ruin. Hmm? Even now, Pilate was not left to act blindly. A message from God warned him from the deed that he was about to commit. In answer to Christ's prayer, the wife of Pilate had been visited by an angel from heaven. And in a dream, she had beheld the Savior and conversed with him. In her dream, she conversed with God, with Christ. Pilate's wife was not a Jew, but as she looked upon Jesus in her dream, she had no doubt of his character or mission. She knew him to be the Prince of God. She knew him. She saw him on trial in the judgment hall. She saw the hands tightly bound as the hands of a criminal. She saw Herod and his soldiers doing their dreadful work. She heard the priests and rulers filled with envy and malice, madly accusing. She heard, the, she heard the words, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die. She saw Pilate give Jesus the scourge. She saw Pilate give Jesus the scourging after he had declared, I found no fault in him. She heard the condemnation pronounced by Pilate and saw him give Christ up and saw him give Christ up to his murderers. She saw the cross uplifted in Calvary. She saw the earth wrapped in darkness and heard the mysterious cry, It is finished. Still another scene met her gaze. She saw Christ seated upon a great white cloud while the earth reeled in space and his murderers fled from the presence of his glory. With a cry of horror, she awoke and once wrote to Pilate words of warning. While Pilate was hesitating as what he should do, a messenger pressed through the crowd and handed him the letter from his wife, which read, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. And it says right there at the end, Pilate's face grew pale. So he's just sitting there wondering what to do, and he gets this message. Wow, man, this, it's, just, it's just incredible. Wow, amazing, you know? So it's Matthew 27, 16 says, and they had been a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Now, why am I reading this? There has to be a reason. Okay. So what happened here? Pilate brought out a man that was notably wicked. Okay. 
Can you imagine knowing somebody that, I mean, he has a fame because he was wicked. How do you know this guy? Oh, he's really bad. He's really a bad person. Have you heard of anybody that's so bad? You know, let's, let's say, if I say the word Hitler, okay? Uh, you, you, know, you can keep going. There's probably other mass murderers, Charles Manson. But why were they notable? Why, why, why did people know these people? Because of their crimes. That's correct, right? So he brought up this notable, famous for his malice, and, 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 and watch what he's trying to do. There's like a contrast, right? Let's say uh, dark and light, right? So he's putting this guy. He was trying to make their decision easy, all right? So he puts this guy here that's just, think of the worst thing you can think of, the worst prisoner that you would hate to be his neighbor or you couldn't sleep if you know he was outside your house. And then you have Jesus right here. And you say, okay, choose between these two. You see what he's doing? That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to make their decision easy. Hey, come on. You know, I got to let somebody go. Look at the contrast between these two. This is easy. Who should I let go? You know, who should I let go? Well, anyway, so Pilate tried to orchestrate. He tried to orchestrate the circumstances to get the people around him to, to, to change the crowd's opinion towards Christ. You know, to allow what he wanted to do easy, what he wanted to do to make it easier for them, right? He wanted them to do what was correct. He wanted them to let Christ go. Christ was a good person. Everybody knew it. But as we read on Matthew 27 through, uh, I don't know if we already read it, but I have it here, so I'm going to read it again. Matthew 27, verses 15 to 18. Now at the feast, the governor was one to release unto the people a prisoner who they would, and they had been a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will I, uh, that I release unto you, Barabbas, or which is called, or, or Christ, which is, or Jesus, which is called the Christ? For he knew that they were okay. I think I already read it that they were envious. So Pilate knew they were envious of Jesus, and he says, "Hey, let him go. You know, he has done nothing wrong." And and then he gets this message, right? Wow, that's that's just. I mean, I don't know. You know. My dear brothers and sisters, Pilate got up, as I said to you already, Pilate got up this one day, and by surprise, he had something he had to do. He had to decide what to do with Jesus. Here it is. He had to decide. He had to choose between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. Why was this a problem? Well, you see, a lot of people aspire to get high positions in government. Is that correct? And he says, well, I got to do my job right. You know, if, if, I don't, if I don't take care of, if I don't do what they want me to do, there's going to be a riot out here. It's going to make me look bad. And they're going to say, you know, Pilate, you can't handle that region. We're going to demote you. Do you see what I'm saying? So he was, here he is. You know, position, power, or should I let this poor guy get hurt? You know, he doesn't deserve it. And I'm asking you the question, is there times where you have to make a decision because you have ambitions in life and then you have your spiritual faith and you have to compromise because you want, you shouldn't have to. Now, nobody here says to do that, okay? But the bottom line is that we do do that. Isn't that true? Or at least we're tempted to do it. And, I, and you know, if, if I may say, I hope you don't. Always put God first. Amen? Amen? Real quick here. Uh, Steve Jobs, everybody knows who he is, right? And when he was dying, what he said? He says, you can, get, you can have an old junkie car, or you can have a brand new Lamborghini, 
and they'll both take you to the same place. It says you can, you can have the biggest castle in the world or you can have a modest home and you'll still be miserable or you'll be happy as you desire to be in either one of them. He kept saying other things, you know. But, you know, there's nothing in this world that's going to satisfy you the way Christ can satisfy you. Amen. There's nothing, I promise you that. There's nothing, okay? Christ should be first in your life and there should be no options. Christ, there is no options. As a Christian, Christ should be first and always the only one, right? So anyway, the man had to make a decision. He chose between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of men. Yeah, so let me say this. We don't know what each day is going to bring us, okay? One day you're going to wake up and something's going to happen. It's going to, and the devil, you know, the devil makes plans to destroy you. Isn't that correct? You get up and all of a sudden you face a situation that you didn't know you were going to have to face, and there it is. You're going to have to make a decision of what to do with Jesus in your life. Now, this decision may not be popular with the world, okay? Let me tell you today. Today, if you even say the name of Jesus, people will practically beat you up on the streets. Have you seen that before? So there's people on the street, and people will jump them. Hey, you know, that's, I don't know, am I, am I going crazy or is this true? I mean, you know, like, uh, you know, I know it's not politically correct, but people are out there pushing all the garbage, all the immorality, and that's, this is what they do, right? But if you, if you dare to bring up the name of Jesus, ah, who do you think you are? Don't preach to me that. Except, I mean, this is what the world has come to. I'm serious. So I'm here to tell you that the end is almost here. That's where we're at. Will Will the Son of Man find faith when he comes back? I mean, they have made good, evil, and evil good. This is, you, know, you see what I'm saying? This is where we're living at right now. You're going to have to make a decision. I don't know if being a Christian today is a popular thing. I don't, I'm not sure right now, you know? But it doesn't matter, okay? It doesn't matter because we need to be faithful to Christ. Do you understand that? Amen. We're all going to go through a circumstance like Pilate went through. Maybe it's happening to you now, you know. What's going to happen to your relationship with Christ? Where's your relationship going? Is the world trying to destroy it? And when I say the world, it's Satan, okay? He just, you, these are just pawns. You understand that? What, where's, your relation, where's your relationship? Will you be faithful to Christ or will you be like Pilate? We already know the outcome. What are you going to do when your time comes? You know, Pilate's manipulations for, for the crowd using Barabbas, they didn't work. You know what happened? Things got worse. So here it is. He couldn't get this thing with Barabbas to go. So you know what he does? He tries a new strategy. Well, how can I change these people's mind? What can I do? Let's read John. Come with me to John. John 18. So here's, here's his new strategy, okay? Well, that, that Barabbas thing didn't work. The trial founding him innocent didn't work. Let's go to John 18. John 18, 39 to verse 5 of chapter 5. I mean, okay, so we're going to read John 18, 39 through 19, 5. If you would please bear with me. John 18, Verse 39 
to verse 5 on the next chapter, okay? So John 18, just to make sure I'm there. 39, okay. So I'm going to read through chapter 19, verse 5. But ye have a custom that I should release unto you one of the Passover. Will you therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? And then he cried, and they said again to them, not this man, but Barabbas. And Barabbas was a robber. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put him in his head. And they put on him a purple robe. And he said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and said unto them, Behold, I bring him forward, I bring him forward to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, and Pilate said to them, Behold the man. So here's this new strategy. He was trying to create sympathy for Jesus. Like saying, don't you feel sorry for him? Look at him. I had him beat up. You know, you know what the book of Isaiah says about Christ at this point that we just read right now? It says they beat him up so badly that you couldn't recognize him. What do you think? Do you think they knocked out some teeth? Some people say they grabbed his beard and they ripped off the hairs. I can give you other things that they said they did to him, you know. But I'm not going to go there. They put a bag over his face. And I mean, these guys, have you ever seen these men of war that are really built? I want you to just see this guy just winding himself up with his whole body and thrusting with his body. And then that big, strong arm and hitting Jesus in the jaw or in the face. You couldn't recognize him when they were, when he, they were done with him. These thorns were about an inch or two, and they went into the cranium. They couldn't recognize him. So here's Pilate saying, here he is. Does that satisfy you? Why don't you just let him go? That's enough, right? I mean, I beat him up. Isn't that enough? Come on, let him go. You know, that, that, that was his new strategy, right? He, he was an innocent man. He beat him up. Don't you have compassion for what is correct? Don't you have a desire in your heart to do what is right for justice? Why do you want to crucify this innocent man? This man gave you food to eat when you were hungry. He healed your sick. He raised your dead. He did good to you. Why do you want to hurt him? He is loving. He is kind. He is holy. He is pure. Behold the man. I had a crown of thorns put him and a king's robe. Look, I dressed him like a clown. Don't you feel sorry for him? I debased him. I, uh, what's this word? Uh, when, you make, when you make fun of somebody, uh, ridicule. You know, no, that's not another word. I have been, not the great, okay, but that's close. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, guys. I need your help right now. He, he, he has been uh, humiliated. I humiliated him. He's been humiliated. Look at him. Don't you feel sorry for him? 
Come on. Don't feel sorry for him. Don't you have compassion? Have you been satisfied? Don't you want to let him go? Pilate was trying to orchestrate circumstances to get the people to do the right thing. But it backfired. The only thing the spirit of prophecy said that they saw was he was willing to compromise. Because he wanted the things of the world. They noticed they had influenced him and he would do as they pleased. Matthew 27, 22, if you read it with me. Matthew, oh man, I have to go back. Okay, here we go. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, 22. I'm almost there. Matthew 27, 22 says. Pilate said unto them, what shall I do with this Jesus, which is called the Christ? They said unto him, let him be crucified. He couldn't satisfy them. He couldn't change their mind. He did everything he could to free Jesus. He tried to orchestrate the circumstances, tried to sway things to change his mind, and he failed. Do you know that this happened in the time of the flood? There were people that wanted to go into the ark. You read the spirit of prophecy? And people around these people were, were the scientists, their friends saying, oh, come on, man, you're crazy. You ain't going to go in there, are you? They go, no. <laughs> you know? This is what happened. Who do, who, who do you hang around with? Who are the people that influence you? I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to think. What is the most important thing in your life? What do you put first now in your life? I'm going to ask you another question later on to follow up to that one. Okay? What do you put first in your life? You know, Barabbas, uh, Pilate didn't want to give up his position of power. If you don't crucify this man, you're no friend of Caesar. You know what they were saying to them? We're going to take your position away, buddy. Make up your mind. Are you with us or are you against us? If you don't break the Sabbath, you're going to lose your job. You're going to lose that position. You're going to lose this. You're going to lose that. If you don't stop doing these things that weird church is teaching you, we're not going to be your friends no more. You're not going to be our buddy. We're not going to hang around you. Does the devil work with you like that sometimes? Yes, he does. You know, you look at, if you look at tradition, I guess you can look at history too because it's got to be written down. They're saying that Pilate committed suicide. Did you know that? They're saying he lived miserably for the rest of his life. I think we read that in the spirit of prophecy, that his mind was constantly bothering him. Is that happiness? Does power give you happiness? Or does happiness come from obeying the commandments of God? Amen. Live by every word that comes out of his mouth. So, there we are. Um, what are you... Let me ask you a question. What are you willing to lose to be faithful to Christ? We need to be careful if there is anything that you put ahead of Christ. Do we understand that? We need to be careful. Do you know why? Because if there's anything right now that you're putting ahead of Christ, when the test comes, it will be easier to put him in second place. Because you, you already got something in first place that's not Christ. When the test comes, it won't be that hard to put him in second place. If you put Christ in second place, it's not going to work. Now, people always say there's only one thing we're going to take to heaven, and that's character, right? I'm going to tell you, man, that 
Character is not the only thing we're taking to heaven. I believe you can take your loved ones too, but you have to pray for them. You have to give them the message. You can give it to your friends. You can work for your friends. You can work for your family. You can work for your people at work. I mean, wouldn't you like to take them with you too? Is there people that you love that you want to see in heaven? If you, if you let Christ use you, you can influence people, you know? I, I, my daughters are here. The other one's over there in the back. I want to take my family. Heaven won't be the same without my daughters or my wife or my mother or my brother. I'm going to do everything I can to influence them. Of course, we're taking our character, but there's other things we can do to help other people get there too. Do you agree with that? Now, is Christ allowing us? Hey, you know why Christ? Hey, angels can do the work. Well, why don't they do the work? Well, no, because you see, Christ worked for other people when he was here on earth. And we're supposed to have a Christ-like character. And you know how we're going to uh, allow this Christ-like character to develop in us? By doing the same things he did, by working for other people, by preaching to them, by bringing the good news to them, by caring for them. Christ allows us to do that so that we can develop his character. Amen. Amen? Amen? We must do these things. We are going to do these things because we're going to have that character. We're going to have the character of Christ. Amen. That's what he said. I don't care what people say. Hey, I'm not going to... God has no limits to what he can do. You let him do what he says he can do. Don't let the devil tell you different. You understand? May his name be glorified in that. My dear brothers and sisters... Before you were a doctor, before you were a lawyer, before you were a mechanic, before you were a salesman, before you were a businessman, I don't know what you are, you are first a son of God. Amen. And don't forget that, okay? Put God first in your life. Amen. I know it's easy to say, but you must, this is the most important thing that we can do. And let's not forget what I said at the beginning of this. Soon there's going to come a time when governments will unite. Just like Herod and Pilate. Churches will unite, like the Sadducees, the scribes, and the Pharisees, and the zealots, and you can think of all these other religions. Because they're gonna go after the people that reflect the image of Christ. You know what you know what the Pharisees hated about Christ? His holiness. You know? And you know why they hated? Because there was a force behind it. Who was that force? It was Satan, okay? And I'm going to tell you something. When you reflect the character of Christ, Satan's going to work things to come after you. And the time is coming when the governments, when religions, when the scenario we saw in the church is going to be worldwide against those who reflect the image of Christ. The, the, the Word of God says, I believe it's in uh, Revelation 13, uh, it's 11, I, I think it's 11, Revelation 11 where the French Revolution takes place and they, were, and they went after the Huguenots, the Albigensian, and they were destroying them. You remember that? St. Bartholomew's Massacre? This is, the way the, this, is the word, this is the way the Bible says or expresses it. And where they, in the city where they crucified who? Christ. Now, was it Christ they sacrificed in, in France? No. It was his sons. But why does he call them Christ? Because they were reflecting his image. What you do unto them, you do it to me. And the same thing is going to happen in the last days. Those who reflect the image of Christ are going to suffer persecution. And you will have to make a decision what you're going to do. 
Are you going to be faithful to Christ? Okay? Now, um, <clears throat> do you know that there was demons? They read the spirit of prophecy, okay? There were demons in those crowds yelling, crucify him. And they were sitting there inciting. The demons were talking to other people, inciting them to, yeah, man, we got to get this guy. Let's get him to get crucified. And the people were going along with it. Did you know that at the end times, that we're going to live in the end times, demons are going to come down and start talking to the governments? Isn't this true? These guys are the cause of that problem. Doesn't the spirit of prophecy say that? This guy, he's he, from all the way from Galilee to Jerusalem, he's causing problems. This is the reason this is going to happen. What's going to happen in the end times? The demons are going to come in some shape, some form, some spiritual guidance. The, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. I don't want to start naming names because I don't want to point out certain religions. But they're going to sit here and talk and say, hey, these people are doing this, and this is why that's happening. That's why we have disasters. If you want to stop these disasters, you have to take care of these guys. And that's, the, and, and that's the, the people who honor and glorify God by reflecting his image, and his image is reflected through the Ten Commandments because the Ten Commandments are the character of Jesus. What are you going to do then? What are you going to do? You need to be faithful to Christ. You've got to allow Jesus to, to finish the work that he says he is going to finish, Right? Did you know that when Christ was crucified, a lot of the things they did to put him in that position were illegal? Do you understand that? Laws were broken. They had the trial of Christ at night, and that was, that was against their laws in those days. Hey, guess what? You think the Constitution's going to save you? No. Ellen White says that all of those freedoms that you have are going to what? They're going to disappear. They're going to come after you, too. You have to make a decision. Are you going to be faithful to Christ? Right? Well, that's my call. My call is for you to be faithful to Christ. That you too, will, there will be a day when you too will be called to, be made, to make a decision. Just like Pilate. So I'm going to ask you to be faithful to God. And I'm not asking you, I'm not asking you. You know God's asking for your faithfulness. He wrote these things down so that we can learn from them, so that when our time comes, we are prepared. May the Lord bless you. But before I finish, I want to make a calling to you. You are the most precious thing that the Lord has ever made. You can read the book, Sons and Daughters of God, and it says right there, <clears throat> the most elevated, the most precious thing God has ever created. My voice is trying to go now are humans. I think God's telling me it's time to stop now. It's humans. He made the human race, the most elevated, the most beautiful thing. It says it right there. You read it. We are the most exalted creation he has made after. You know, he's not created. He's God. He's the most precious. But after that, we are. He loves you so much. <clears throat> Christ was willing to go through all that just for you. He was willing to take those beatings where you couldn't recognize them. The spirit of prophecy says that, he, that, the, that the problem of sin is so serious that he couldn't see on the other side of the tunnel. He couldn't see the light. He didn't know what was going to happen. He didn't know if he was done because sin is a very serious thing. Okay? But, he, but you know what he said? I'd rather die than to live without you. That's what he says. I can give up all the glories of heaven, the worship of the angels, 
innumerable worlds, galaxies. The, the, the spirit of prophecy says there's no end to our galaxy and that it's continually growing. But he says, I'd rather give all that up just for you because I love you and I can't live without you. All of these things mean nothing without you. So real quick story here. There's this couple of kids, you know, in the Middle East, they were shepherds, they were friends. But, you know, in the Middle East, they have goats, they have lambs. In this case, it was lambs, okay? They have lambs. They each had a herd of lambs, and they went out. You know, each one of them went to one pasture, and the other guy goes to his pasture because, you know, you can't bring them together because once they mix, you're in trouble. Thank you. <laughs> I'm almost done, and I'll have some of that. I appreciate it. So they went out to the pasture. The problem is that they were there for a little while, so the two friends got together and decided to start talking. Little did they know that while they were talking, their herds started mixing together because they kind of followed the shepherds, so they were all one, they were all one fold now. So then they looked out there to say, what are we going to do? My sheep are mixed with your sheep. You, you, you hear what I'm saying? We're in trouble. I don't know which one's mine and which one's yours. They were in trouble. So they had to go back home and explain to their parents that they, they didn't know if they were going to get a little spanking. I don't know how I would say that back in those days. Or what was the repercussions going to be or anything like that. They were in trouble, but it was night. It was getting dark and they had to go back. So they started walking back and now both folds were one fold, right? They were following behind them. And one of the kids started singing, and the other kids started singing, and they kind of started going their own way. Guess what happened? The sheep started following the voice of their shepherd, and they all separated again. So here in this morning, I'm going to tell you, do you hear the voice of your shepherd calling you? Jesus is calling you. Is there somebody here that is new? Somebody, I don't know, I'm not from this church, but there might be visitors here. If, there's, if there is a visitor here, the Lord is calling you. If you hear his voice, I'm going to ask you to please talk to one of the leaders in this church and ask him more about this God that loves you unconditionally. There's people here that are hurting. I heard about this uh, Egan's daughter. I, my condolences for that. You know, I, I feel really bad. I mean, I don't know what I would do if somebody in my family dies. It's such a, it's such a serious thing. You know, it, it's so painful. You know, the uh, what was the name of the gentleman? Uh, Phil, Don Phillips, right? Right, yeah. You know, only because of Jesus and because of his great gift. You, how, how great is the gift of Jesus? There's no condition. There's no limit. It's only because of this hope that we have that Jesus has given us with us great sacrifice. That it's only a temporary interruption of our relationship. Because this person is going to be resurrected very, very soon in a glorified body. That hope we have, I know it's hard and I, there's no words to describe the pain of these things. I don't think there is. I think it's so hard, but thanks to Jesus, it's only a temporary interruption of our relationship with these people. They're resting in the graves and very, very soon, they're gonna come back up. This whole world is gonna stop. Maybe there's somebody here that's hurting. I'm gonna invite you in the name of Jesus to give Jesus your problem. If, if, uh, if you're looking for something better, Get, come to Jesus. He is that person. You know, if there's problems all the time. You know, what I, you know why God allows those problems to happen? I'm going to tell you why. Because he wants to prove to you his power. Because right now, 
He's trying to increase and he's trying to build your faith. Every time there is a storm, God wants to show you his power. Amen. He did it in the Bible and he's dying to do it in your life. So I call you to have a, very, a better relationship. I call you to get closer to Jesus. So when that day comes and you have to make a decision, the Lord will give you that power and that strength for his honor and for, let's live for his honor and for his glory. Amen? Amen. All right, let's have a quick prayer and let's finish up. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to you because of your love. What can we say with this wonderful gift you have given us called Jesus? Thank you, Lord, because Paul says that when you gave us Jesus, you gave us everything. Thank you, Father, for giving us this great gift. I ask, Lord, I feel, I sense, and I read in your word that we're living in the last days. I pray in the name of Jesus, through his merits and everything that he did, that you come to our lives. And as the book of Revelation says, that you are knocking at the door. Lord, help us open our hearts and let Jesus come into our hearts and live his life through us. Let us glorify his name with our lives. Let us live for Jesus. May that be our priority. I want to pray for this church. I want to pray for the family with this loss, Lord, of this loved uh, member of their family. I want to pray for the pastor of this church. I want to pray for the elders, for the individual people. You know everything before we even have a hint that it's going to happen. You already have the provision. All we ask, Lord, is that you, allow, that, that you acknowledge you and allow you to come and work in our lives and carry your will through our lives. Live your, live your life through our life. Thank you because you're so good to us. Thank you because you are here with us, because you care more than we can even imagine. I pray for this church. Let this church be a light, Lord, so that other people may see Jesus. I pray, Father, for, the, for each individual person here that you may prosper them first spiritually and then physically and then if necessary financially. And most of all, Lord, let us trust in you, in your, in your words. I know that heaven and earth will pass, but your words will continue throughout eternity, Father. And I am thankful, Lord, for your faithfulness. In the name of Christ, I ask all this and I give you thanks. Amen. Amen.